Hey everyone, welcome to Hashtag Real Life. Abby and Danielle here. At Hashtag Real Life, we want to bring the essence of conversations back into our day-to-day lives. We want to tell the stories of the people around us with no topic off the table. Our hope is to create a safe space for ourselves, guests, and our listeners, all while bringing our authentic selves to create rambling but beautiful content. Now, let's talk about some stuff. Back again. Every time. Every time. I can't Every time. It. Yeah. Can't help it. <laughs> Welcome to Hashtag Real Life. This is Abby. And this is Danielle. We're back again. <laughs> back again. Running on fumes, you know, doing all yeah. that wedding planning for everybody. This month. Yes. Yes. It's all right. August is a month of love and connection. And we're just, we're just going hard in the I have not. I have not. I'm going to you guys. I will. It's going to be amazing. I mean, I can't go wrong with a little Beyonce jam, but I haven't gotten a chance to. It's literally all girl power, sex positive. It's everything. Like I was jamming, doing my chart notes, like, you know, after client sessions, just, you know, <laughs> bad bitches do the right. I was having so much fun. So much fun in my yes. office today. Ah, got to Danielle. It's- yes, you're giving me like serious inspiration. Like maybe tomorrow I'm gonna start jamming it out while I'm oh. getting all this wedding stuff going. Maybe that'll well, be like the theme. Her songs would be great real content. Okay, like, all right, all right. Background. Good to know. Good to know. I'm excited. Ah, <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I guess in nature, right? Talking about sex, femininity, feminism, all the cool things. Uh, I mean, with that transition, right, we'll go into our awesome and amazing guest and hopefully our new best friend. Uh, Today we have on the pod, Indy Gage, and she is the host of the Hot Girls Theory podcast. And I have devoured a lot of that content and I'm so excited to talk more. Uh, But she is also all the way in Australia and has a really lovely voice to listen to. And <laughs> probably get that a lot. Sorry, indeed. <laughs> you flatter me. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Part of you. Yes. I mean, do from your neck of the woods, do Americans have accents? Like, do we sound? I don't know. Yeah. That- it's so interesting because I've always had these conversations with American friends because I obviously growing up in the social media age, I've always had lots of friends from the States, um, especially like back in the tumblr days where like it was so easy to connect with people all over the world yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I would always talk to people and Americans would always be like I don't have an accent and I'd be like everyone in the world has an accent mm-hmm, like literally mm-hmm. everyone has an accent how can you tell me that you don't have an accent like yeah. it just it never made yes. sense to me yeah and so yes you guys do have an accent and it's really interesting because um as I was mentioning to you uh sorry as I was mentioning to you guys before, um, my mom is actually from America. So she grew up in the States until she was about 12. And so I feel like sometimes my phone voice, like my official voice will get very like Americanized, Mm -hmm. not just through like, you know, pop culture and that kind of influence as well, but definitely my mom sometimes still kind of comes through. Like my mom has a really strong Australian accent now, don't get me wrong, but even her phone voice is like super American. And then people ask me where I'm from and I'm like, I'm from Australia. And they're like, no, you're not. I'm like but I am right. <laughs> really interesting. and so we like I'm always just like oh like if you have to know I guess my mom is you know technically American although you know she's lived here most of her life so she really says she's Australian so yeah accents are interesting because when people say they don't have them I'm like how how 
like is that an ego thing like what, what right. makes you think you're better than me for not having an accent I don't mm-hmm. get it mm-hmm. well and that's true like Americans are very we're very naive and think like oh my gosh like otherworldly right and yeah so that is, that is one thing for sure but I also think it comes from we wish we had x we we wish we had the other accents whereas right here so yeah See, that's there, interesting because sometimes sometimes I can get really bogan and like really listen to my voice and like when I'm just like naturally like things are coming out like when I'm with my friends and like it's banter I literally go I sound disgusting like I you know like it's it probably be akin to people who like live in the south who can get really like um like trailer park mm-hmm. and they'd be like oh my goodness where did that come from like I really can't like sometimes I say the most things in the most disgusting way and I'm like how how why why <laughs> like, me where is that? it's funny because yeah. I love listening to other accents because I feel that there's a lot of times where I'll pick them up and I'm like mm. wait what's happening here like what's what's going yeah. on <laughs> and then I'll be having a conversation I'm like I don't have that accent like what's going on yeah. here like you get you start to hear it and you start to feel it and you just kind of go yeah. with it kind of thing I think it's funny how like memed the Australian accent has become, especially on TikTok, like with the whole like Cleo, no, like mm-hmm. that's like, that's not even what I mean when I say I sound disgusting. Like sometimes I will say <laughs> stuff and it's just like, that is just like the Australian accent, especially if you come from like Queensland or Sydney. Mm-hmm. And like, I will post videos to TikTok and people will just say like that in the comments, like Cleo, no. And I'm like, I don't even sound like that. Like, <laughs> right. please. You're like why are you trolling me right now? That is what's <laughs> happening. But then it's usually people like saying they're I love it like I love your accent and I'm like okay then maybe like say something nice instead of making it sound like you're kind of like coming for me for my accent like it's just confusing yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are mean on the internet sometimes yeah, yeah. and yeah hopefully that was not taken as me picking on it, it really no 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 was. yeah definitely not I promise <laughs> if so I- my apologies I do have to say that I've been to Melbourne and it was one of my favorite places to go. And it was so pretty. It was yes. Amazing. And so this is going to be where I pick on your pronunciation because it's okay. Melbourne. Oh, okay. So you're going to say it like Melbourne. It's not Melbourne. Yeah, that's see, that, that, that was perfect. Like, <laughs> yes. Props to you. All right. Really, really, because you, you want to say Melbourne, but uh-huh. it's definitely Melbourne. Like oh. it's just, you just got to shorten it. And that's, yeah. that's your golden ticket, especially because like, we don't really pronounce our R's as much. So you're not going to put gotcha. emphasis on the O-U-R. It's just Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love like, it. Yeah, you can think of it like. I'm in Melbourne, so you can think of it as like Melb and then apostrophe and and then it's just Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. <laughs> but yeah, oh, I yes. originally I originally am from South Australia, which not so I, Melbourne is in the state of Victoria, and I'm originally from South Australia, which um I like is Adelaide is the capital city there, and not a lot of people tend to know where that is. So it's like kind of south. It's very interesting. We usually refer to it as the Florida of Australia because we have <laughs> a lot of serial killers and. And we are the ice capital of the world so we also have a lot of really great vineyards we're great on the wine tourism so it's yes. not all horrible I promise <laughs> but if you've seen if you've seen Wolf Creek that is like a true story about a serial killer from South Australia so man that is wild so basically people just getting a lot of wine and then having serial killers go find <laughs> only if you go into the bush I promise yeah. only if you go into the bush yeah <laughs> that's funny I love it yeah in uh in elementary school um we had uh a girl and her family come to again I'm originally from Iowa so like very midwest and her family had come over here and they were on like a visa from she was in sixth grade till eighth grade um and they were from Canberra did I say that wrong correct Canberra 
So Canberra. again, it's it's not Canberra, it's Canberra. Just Canberra. Canberra. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of R's. Okay. Yes. okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, hopefully people have stuck with us learning our learning uh, how to pronounce <laughs> things in Australian. Love it. So I immediately upon coming across your name online was obsessed with all the topics you had mentioned that you talk about, especially like me working in mental health and uh, yeah, learning that you, you know, studied gender studies and then learning about your podcast and it's just premise, I guess, if you had to describe your podcast to someone who was like completely new, foreign to it, how would you describe it? Yes. Well, I mean, if you've listened to it, you already know, but the (laughs) tagline for Hot Girl series, we explore the world from the theoretical perspective of two hot girls, probably much like yourselves. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's very much like we want to take deep analytical looks at the world in an academic perspective but also recognize like a contemporary like life of like life experience and coming Mm -hmm. at things from our own perspective and you know kind of um really feeding into that self-confidence aspect of it we were very inspired by Megan Thee Stallion when we first uh, decided to name the podcast it was Mm -hmm. something that my co-host and I had bonded over recently before we decided to do the podcast and we were both like it has to be Megan Thee Stallion related we have to say hot girls the theory was the one where we were like okay what do we want to kind of like convey with that and Mm -hmm. it just it clicked from there yeah I mean, it definitely, I mean, like in general, I feel like everyone wants to embody like their inner hot girl. Like we know yeah. we want to go out for like, we're doing hot girl shit. Like that just happened, yeah. you know? And like, it's just that full on experience. So, I mean, I love that it encompasses all of that and just that and intense, like confidence side, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was something that we wanted to convey on the podcast so that it was like, if you want to listen because you want confidence, you should listen because like it it's kind of interesting because Ash and I have both really struggled with confidence throughout our entire lives, but not a lot of people know that because when you kind of can fake it till you make it at it, like you have that attitude of like, I'm just going to be as confident as I possibly can. And behind the scenes, I'm going to let my guard down and not feel so confident. You know, people don't tend to realize that like, you might not be that like hot girl all the time. And that was also another thing that we wanted to explore was being really candid about like mental health, you know, um, things like sexual assault or, you know, trauma that we've been through because we need to normalize the fact that it's like, yeah, you can go out and be a hot girl and you can be a baddie and you can do all these like really great things, but you can also let your guard down and you can be another version of yourself, Mm -hmm. a different side of yourself. Because I feel like and again, there was all of these podcasts around, you know, that um, 2020 mark. And it was like a lot of really marketable, young, thin white women who didn't look like us, who didn't represent us, who didn't have our, who were obviously American as well and didn't yeah. have our life experience. And so we knew that we had that really interesting, unique perspective. And we were like, it doesn't matter if only five people listen to us and it's our friends. We still want to have that out there because eventually someone's going to listen and be like, Hey, I relate to these Mm -hmm. girls who aren't, you know, don't fit within that like beauty standard and have had, you know, this trauma related to, you know, like their lives and, and how inspiring that is. So that was really kind of the goal with it. Yeah. Uh, and, and also touching on, I mean, yeah, our podcast too, we try to touch on, right. Like mental health always mm. comes up, even if we don't, uh, even if we don't plan on, uh, that being in part of the topic, but it, it is just everyone yeah. has a relationship story with it. And like I said, I work in mental health, I'm a dietitian working in the eating disorder space, but identify mm. as health at every size, anti-diet yeah. and 
and yeah, exactly what you were saying is like, again, I am a like thin white woman from America and yeah, being able to like take a step back and like be aware of my privilege. And then also like letting other people, um, have their voices be heard and, and all of that has mm-hmm. just been so awesome and learning from learning from others. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I'm just excited to even listen to more of your episodes because I've listened to um, the one where you interviewed a sex worker and like, right. Demystifying that. And like, I also love how you say, you talk about like things that are typically quote unquote taboo and yet mm. right, they, sh- we, they shouldn't be. And right. so where did that interest kind of come coming for you? Uh, well, uh, okay. My, I can see my cat is about to what are you doing? Come on. It's real life. It's real life. Yeah. Okay. Go back in the window, please. Your cat has, uh, its own take on the topic probably. Yeah, yeah. He does, but I just, I don't want him to jump on my desk because I do have a glass of water here. So I'm just like, that could be very bad, but he, he, he does it a lot. Um, I don't know the, the sex toy episode we did recently, he like fully jumped on and we just, we just leave those moments in because it adds personality to the podcast. And he just, yeah. and I was like, come on guys, come on, please. Um, yes. Back to your question, I feel like if you listen, it was at the most recent episode that you listened to that we just posted. Yeah. So when we were talking with G, she, like I, I was talking with G, she was like, you know, I've always been a weird kid. I've always been into like, you know, weird topics and subjects that like a lot of people kind of shy away from. And I'm exactly the same. You know, I've always, and it's really interesting because I've also like very recently learned about like my or and kind of discovered on my own journey about like being neurodivergent and um how like my special interest is sex and how I've like always been super interested in sex and that has always gotten me into kind of trouble when I was really really young and I was always been really accidentally inappropriate and like (laughs) that kind of thing where I was always like well why can't we talk about this it's from that early age where I learned to start to kind of question these things and I've always been like anti-authority like question the you know the whole entire system like I'm really that kind of person (laughs) yeah um so when it came to like that like structure of society of like well why can't we talk about like sex and and why is there such a big discrepancy when it comes to like men's and women's experiences of sex and why is sexual assault so high so prevalent and so rife in our society and and all of those different issues that encompass under that umbrella like it's just been super duper interesting to me my whole life and that's why I was really drawn to like feminism and gender studies and wanting to kind of take on this like academic perspective because I was finding as a teenager you know when I was arguing with you know often like young boys who were trying to like cut me down and tell me that I wasn't valid and and argue with like these really stupid hypotheticals all the time I was like all right I'm gonna go get a university degree and then I'm gonna come back and then we can have this conversation and (laughs) yes empowerment at its finest (laughs) yeah like knowledge is power and you know I was lucky enough to be in a position where I could go and do that and it did take me time to realize that that was what I wanted like I didn't immediately go to uni after high school you know I took some time off and that was also important for my mental health but um yeah when I wanted to when I wanted to actually take that step towards like empowering myself with that knowledge I also knew that it was because I wanted to kind of bestow that knowledge onto other people in a way that was accessible. And that's what we're trying to do with the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, I love a kind of your, just your take on the aspect of like you wanted to learn more so then you mm. could influence more, you know? And I mean, it's so great that you're like using your voice in such a positive way. Um, and I mean, it is, it's really, really hard because I feel like the topics of sex and femininity and just all these types of things, like they do seem taboo, even though mm. it's kind of like, why is it taboo? You know, like, why can't we talk about those type of things or in what settings or in what rooms? And it's kind of all of everyone's learned behaviors from the beginning of why we can't talk about certain things or why we're unable to have those conversations. So it's really good to be able to put yourself in those spaces where you can and have more conversation around it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's part of, again, part of the reason why I wanted to make the podcast and, and that, that like in sociology, there's like this, um, like split between like public and private spheres. And that's really the whole idea of where that, um, kind of taboo-ness comes from for those kinds of topics is like sex and anything that resides in your home is relegated to the private sphere. And obviously anything outside of the home is the public sphere. And like, it only kind of, and I think it's really hard because a lot of people don't understand that the shift towards having the public and the private become more enmeshed has only been really, really recent. Like, you know, again, probably like, and it's more and more and more, but like not even since like the eighties and nineties is probably when it really, really started to shift politically, especially, you know, with the second wave feminism, like you had that in the 1960s with, um, you know, feminist liberation uh, alongside many other different waves of um, social and political liberation for queer people and people of colour. And that was, especially in Australia, that was like really, really big in the 80s specifically, where there was like lots of discussions about domestic violence. And Mm. again, I can critique second wave feminism for not being uh, very inclusive of people outside of like being white. But for Australia, that was like really monumental because domestic violence was such a huge, 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 huge problem. And mm-hmm. so then that's when we started to talk about anything that was going on in the private sphere. So that started to yeah. be like, okay, well, I'm also experiencing sexual violence mm-hmm. at the hand of my husband and, and things like that. So those kinds of experiences is when we started to see that shift and it's just kind of continued to grow and grow and grow. And those conversations are really important because I think it reinforces something a lot a lot of feminist ideologies um echo is that like the personal is political and I think that's something that a lot of women especially in America would be feeling right now with the decision to overturn Roe v Wade and Mm -hmm. that kind of feeling like your bodily autonomy is being taken over and 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 also (laughs) the whole kind of just downward spiral of like taking away of LGBT rights and Mm -hmm. and interracial marriage just like you know this people are starting to really realize once again that like my personal life is just as political as my private life uh, my public life sorry and um yeah that's it's really 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 fascinating to me and I could talk about it ages obviously (laughs) I could listen to you talk about it. Yeah. For, yeah. Forever, but, but yeah, I don't think people realize. Uh, and I just had listened to um, one of my other favorite podcasts, um, You're Wrong About, and they mm. just did an episode on porn wars, um, right? Sex wars. And they were talking about, yeah, the movie Deep Throat and right, like how, you know, all the nuances with that, um, with that. Mm. And then they were also talking about, um, yeah, inter like marriage, sexual assault. I, they, I don't, I think what they shared is that the, first I think convicted like marital rape case wasn't in America at least until like 1989 so 
people don't realize that a lot of the like things we t- we take for granted today like are still very new yeah um, and- I mean even with that it's like you can you can extend that to anything like homosexuality sodomy in particular like they're trying to make it so that you can't have any kind of like anal penetrative sex even yeah. if like even if you are like having in a heterosexual relationship they're trying to take that away as well and that's like something that like a lot of people aren't understanding that's like that's not just like a, a, a riot it's like something that's written into law and can be taken away from you. like people can come into your home and, and arrest you for having anal sex which I think is like mind-boggling yeah <laughs> but, but like you know with with sex and and in Australia like the it's hard because a lot of well this is not just Australia it's worldwide but like with those laws it's really hard because people don't understand that like those like understanding some perspectives that were like the reason that we had a law against um you know marital rape put in place was because it was obviously happening and people had to talk about their experiences uh and that culture had to come from somewhere it had to come from misogyny it had to come from this idea that like a man owns their woman when they are in a in a relationship and when they're married and that culture just doesn't just doesn't disappear when the laws change mm-hmm. that that culture continues on I'm sorry. but I love that the person is political like that is yeah. so true and yeah as you can as you shared already it can be you know expressed in like every facet of our of our being and like Mm. in all all areas of the um social justice movements um everything that you've already already shared um and yeah so you did study I I know I said it earlier but you did study gender studies where did you go to school um, so I actually started my degree when I was in Adelaide. So I've done like maybe I did like just under half when I was in Adelaide. I did at a place called Flinders University. You know, we're always going to universities named after colonizers, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, Flinders, uh, you know, anyway. Um, so <laughs> we live in America. We understand that whole thing. Yeah. 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 Um, so I started there and I moved to Melbourne literally like a month before the pandemic really hit Australia so that was like great timing but you know what it, it, everything happens for a reason I wasn't like I, I needed to be out of Adelaide so that was really kind of like a good thing in all of that shit yeah. um so I then transferred to La Trobe Uni in Melbourne and because we were all online it was just finishing up everything online and finishing the rest of my degree um so yeah I I don't expect anyone to know universities because we don't really have like I guess you could like you know how there's like Harvard and Stanford and like they're all like the Ivy League schools I have no idea how that works like I don't don't understand (laughs) yeah it's just I feel like at some point in time somebody said like this is gonna be an Ivy League like sounds Mm. good and it's probably it's probably like you know who 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 was the the bigger colonizer and how can we like rank based on like who Mm -hmm. who kind of like was this school was named after yes absolutely yeah Yeah. there's something in there that we don't know yeah (laughs) it'll come up at some point (laughs) that netflix the or not the like college admission scandal right that Mm. that happened over here right like how yeah certain universities even though you're getting the same education like putting a private on the name right so Mm -hmm. yeah putting a number like a status Mm -hmm. on what school you go to which whatever and the university, I still owe a lot in college student loan debt so yeah we're here 
everything is about status nowadays it seems <laughs> like yeah yeah that's definitely something that like we learned about like early on in our gender studies degree when we were talking about like meritocracy and like this idea of merit and how like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how educated you are it doesn't matter like that's really like the the point of privilege is like do you have merit and mm-hmm. obviously merit is tied to like your skin color and your gender and your sexuality and how much you fit into the hegemony and like that is really going to be what gives you merit and uh right. like who's going to listen to you yeah like you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I always think about like I mean obviously this is like it's it, I think about like that TikTok sound that's basically like well at some point everyone's going to die. And then what are they going to remember you by? Like they're not, you know, and I mean, it sounds like really, really morbid and strange, but it is, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, are they going to remember you for what school you went to? Probably not, you know, like going to remember you for so many other ways that you touch the world. So yeah, it just kind of depends, like the, what we put emphasis on is just very, very hard in this world, you know? Yeah. And what's right. What's shitty too, is that unfortunately in certain circumstances, like I'm thinking back to the episode, granted it was just your co-host Ash. And then you gave your take on like on female bodies in Mm. society. And unfortunately, like, especially female celebrities, like are only talked about even after they die around their weight or Mm. weight loss or their bodies or their beauty. And, um, yeah, I even love that episode too, because Granted, it was a majority solo of your co-host Ash. And yet I love that even though you guys host a podcast together and have like similar views, like also some interesting, not conflict, but just dialogue that maybe Mm. just different opinions on those things. So I think that also adds some layers and context and nuance. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. We always get complimented on our dynamic, really, like how well we kind of mesh together. It was really interesting. We actually got our aura read the other day because she's from Adelaide as well. And we do our podcast primarily like um, online. And she had come over here for an, uh, a holiday. And so I was like, yeah, let's go get our aura read because I found this place. And it was so interesting because like the lady was like, telling us how we balance each other and like how it was. She was like, you know, all of the chakras that Ash has. Indy doesn't have and all of the chakras (laughs) that Indy does have Ash doesn't have so it's kind of like if we align ourselves we make all of the chakras together and that's like one of the things that I really enjoy about us is like we can have that like really cool fun superficial banter but deep down like we do have a really strong interesting connection that I think does like unparallel us to anyone else that you might hear in just like you know your combination of Danielle and Abby is going to be totally like unique to this podcast and it's going to be like you can't replicate this and that's what I was saying back to like there's nothing against those like podcasts that were kind of yeah coming out back around then but you like you know what I'm talking about like you know the look the vibe the kind of things that they were all talking about like it was kind of those things that like a lot of podcast networks were like okay how do we kind of like compete in the podcast world like we'll just make something that's like super um like consumable and doesn't really have that much depth to it and I was Mm -hmm. just like I'm I'm sick of it and that's why it was always really annoying when everyone was like oh so you're like call her daddy and I was like no no, (laughs) right yeah (laughs) I hate that this is what you think of when you think of like a sex and relationship relationship podcast because that's not at all what it should be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's so many different people and there's so many different takes on everything and like you said just having more of a digestible conversation I guess and mm. you know when you do get into those 
more intense nitty gritty like conversations really actually connecting with people like that's where the real like magic happens because everyone can get there it just might take a little bit and sometimes people want to stay on this like higher surface level you know and so it is very interesting to dig deeper into those podcasts I mean I know Abby and I talk about it all the time like we'll go back and forth about like podcasts that we listen to or like books that we're reading we're like oh man we we love this episode because it went like deep about this or this is Mm. what happened and we're like whoa you know and then yeah that's that's how we are as humans (laughs) yeah absolutely relatable yeah well and how did you how did you meet Ash and Mm. your co-host so you both are from the same area but have you known each other for a while It was actually really funny because we didn't really talk much at all before we (laughs) did the podcast. So basically Ash and I met probably when we were like quite young, like around like 11 or 12, that kind of really like young, early adolescent age, because we had mutual friends. Like I, she was going to a school that was near me, but like one of my friends had moved there, that kind of situation. So that's how we met. But Ash's like personality back then was like way more... I guess superficial in like, and she's, she's, she's admitted it. She's like, I didn't like me. Like I would not like me thinking about that. Like I don't want to think about me as at that age because I was a shit person, like from that perspective. And um, I was like, yeah, I didn't really like you because I was just like this person, I guess, wasn't on the wavelength that I was on. And she was quite intimidated by me because I've been told by many people that I'm intimidating. I don't know <laughs> if I give that vibe to you guys, but that's what people tend to tell me. Um, so she was really intimidated. <laughs> I guess it depends on the context. Like if you see me on the street, when I'm like all dolled up in my like super gothy like look and I'm like this big six foot woman coming at you like maybe then you'll be a little (laughs) bit intimidated by me but it really does depend um so and I was I've always been like super uh, I guess like outspoken on my thoughts feelings and opinions so I think that would also like when we were like that age I think I intimidated a lot of people because of that Mm -hmm. and so as we kind of went through life like we didn't ever really cross paths that much like we were around each other but it wasn't like we were friends and it wasn't like we had a relationship and then when I when we were probably like 17 to 20 she dated someone that I went to high school with who I didn't like very much who just like never gave me good vibes and basically we had each other on social media as you do with a lot of people that you kind of just know mm-hmm. and um we kind of like our relationships ended around the same time in 2018 and I was on dating apps again after like an adequate amount of time away from my relationship and uh I noticed that her boyfriend at the time was on dating apps as well so I was like doing doing my due diligence like girl code like message I was like hey just want to let you know that you know blank is on dating apps like I just I, I wasn't sure of the situation don't want to overstep but just letting you know and she was like oh yeah we've actually been broken up for two weeks I just haven't taken it off social media because I haven't told my parents yet and oh. you know I was like oh so it's been two weeks I like I was like I knew and I just kind of went into this feel I was like I literally this whole entire relationship have been like he is not good enough for you like Mm -hmm. that was always a really weird pairing like because no matter how I like felt about Ash like I knew that this person wasn't like her vibe and I was just like this isn't gonna last very long and after that she was like oh thank you so much and we kind of didn't really properly speak again until 2020 when we were connecting and um she had messaged me because I had done like an Instagram live and we were talking about the pandemic and the bushfires at the time because Australia was 
basically yeah. entirely on fire yeah. at the time oh as well. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, all going through a lot. <laughs> like, yes, it's going through a lot. Yes. It was, it was so intense. So we were like, you know, connecting on that. And she was like, girl, you need a podcast. And I was like, I do. Like, I was like, you know, like I've had people telling me that for a really long time. And I was like, you know, why don't we try doing that? Like, I was like, I knew that Ash was, you know, in, had done uni and that she had, you know, done all these really incredible things with her degree. Like she got to go to the Middle East and stuff like that for her journalism mm. degree. So I was like, why don't we try? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we could just like have, we could just like have a, an actual conversation about it. So we had a phone call and I think I still have like the the first initial meeting notes somewhere in my Google Docs, and I was like looking through it the other day because I was like, oh, this is interesting, and I was like, oh my gosh, um, you know, early hot girl, <laughs> yeah, early hot girls like planning and things like that. So after that, we just kind of decided to go for it. We bought mics and. Uh, we just started and and you know obviously you just mentioned that you listened to a really early episode like you would be able to tell that like the like ways we were kind of stumbling around like okay how do we do this and then eventually we just kind of got better and better and I think that happens with any self-produced podcast you just mm-hmm. you're on that journey and I always tell people when they're like oh I want to listen to early episodes I'm like the production is rough like the sound <laughs> quality is really really rough and that doesn't even just have anything to do with our mics because our mics were okay it was like the post-production and us trying mm-hmm. to like figure out how to balance the sound because I have a really loud voice and Ash doesn't have a very loud voice so when I'm talking I'm like I'm not like yelling intentionally I'm just a loud <laughs> right. person mm-hmm. and she's just like kind of talking normally and I'm like okay we got to boost you know just those kinds <laughs> of things I was trying to figure out for so long and then we finally got there so yeah well, the thing about that is, is that people love the journey, you know, mm-hmm. like, so that's the thing. I mean, people say that they don't, but people love a journey. <laughs> they do. And that's, that's the thing is like, I think that I think a lot of people would rather a podcast that has been going for a long time because they've been trying to figure out like that they, they've been trying to like baby steps their way through it to right. the point where they do have good quality production. And even then, like, you know, you can tell the difference between a podcast that's self-produced and produced by a network. And Mm -hmm. you can tell there is a significant difference in quality. But like I said, like we like to keep those moments in where my cat interrupts or, you know, Ash often forgets the name of a word and I often tell her and it's funny moments and we keep that in because it adds personality and it, Mm -hmm. it adds depth to us as individuals, but also the podcast as well. Right. Well, and Abby and I talked about at one point in time at the very beginning, because we were talking about all the celebrities that were popping up with podcasts, you know, and that's, yes. that's a whole different thing too, because obviously celebrities are people like, don't get me wrong, love them, love to binge all their content, but it's also just kind of intense, you know, because it's, it's like, where, where do us as little guys fit in? You know, like mm-hmm. we still have a lot of things to say. There's a lot of nuance with our podcast. There's a lot of things you know, out there, but it's just very, it's wild how that happens too. Cause I feel like that kind of happened a lot during the pandemic. There are a lot of celebrities popping them up left and right. Uh, even like more recently now as well. I feel like it's such a, it's not like an easy medium, I would say, but when you have like, when you have money to have someone else produce it, of course mm-hmm. it's easy. All you have to do is sit there with a camera and a, and a, and a microphone and, and talk about anything you want and people are going to consume it because you have a platform. Like that's really the hardest part is like not already having had a platform and then trying to build your podcast Mm -hmm. kind of from scratch and like yeah it's great to have like friends and family listen but it's like again like you do at the end of the day want other people to listen to what you're saying because you know that you have these valuable like moments and and this something really important to say um and that's why uh, I always kind of encourage people to listen to any kind of independent podcast because I know how 
much it takes to produce it and yeah. how important it is to support that industry because it is popping off in really interesting ways because it's kind of anyone can do anything yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep uh, all I could think of was you were saying that was girl yep <laughs> <laughs> conversation weekly yeah weekly about uh just trying to yeah grow the audience and like yeah we love the people who are have been like day one supporters and like people we've gotten to connect with just with our own like hustle and yet yeah it is like all right yep sweet uh I mean every celebrity now has a podcast I could like pick one out of a out of a jar and they probably Mm -hmm. have a podcast right I mean it's a capstone content you know it's like perfect for it's a perfect way to build everything I guess Mm -hmm. in that way (laughs) But, but right, like everyone's voice matters. I think we've kind of hit yeah. on the head with the topic multiple times, but it can't be said enough, right? Like everyone will provide something and something different, something valuable. And I just even loved hearing like the backstory of like you and Ash, because <laughs> it's not right. It's not like the typical, like, oh my gosh, we were best friends since mm. for, forever. Like there were like real life, twists and turns in there and that's just really cool I think yeah I always like to tell people I'm like it actually was like such a risk to start a podcast together because we like even though it worked out because we have like a similar work ethic and we both have like lots of passion for this podcast like it could have just been that like one person was going to do all the work and the other person didn't do anything and like that it ended after like five episodes but no we kept going because mm-hmm. even from that first time we had a meeting like we knew we had a vision and that was like that we were inspired by like lots of different podcasts. Like we were inspired by guys we fucked and we were inspired by like girls on porn and we were inspired by all these other bigger podcasts that had um, influenced us to want to talk about our experiences. So that's why we talked a lot about our past relationships and how we learned and grew and had grown from being in toxic situations and, mm-hmm. and our trauma. And, and we just, that was like, it, it aligned perfectly, but it was such a risk at the time because we didn't know if it would work out. Yeah. Totally. Well, and any sort of partnership like that is just like, whoo, it's intense. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you, you have to, especially in the creative space too, you know, because you're, you're giving this different part of yourself, you know, and you're having this moment where it's like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna have this creative moment happen. Like, it's, yeah, it's gonna happen. It's gonna be what it's gonna be. And, and then hopefully people will consume it. Hopefully mm-hmm. like we'll come out on the other side. Like, I don't know, like this will be yeah. good, you know? Yeah. Danielle and I have had our little squabbles here and there in the last mm-hmm. what uh year yeah is when we started it mm-hmm. almost yeah. like two years I'm like wow it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it comes up pretty quick and you're like mm-hmm. oh my gosh and and yeah we've just kind of gotten to that point where we've got like 110 episodes now and we're like oh my god that's that's so many episodes like how did we get to that point like you know like mm-hmm. we've and we've only we've rarely take breaks like we don't have seasons so we've just recently took like about three weeks off because like in May because Ash and I were just like so burnt out and then we take a break like every Christmas week so Mm -hmm. that we can kind of just have that one week to not do anything but like other than that we go pretty consistently we get content out really consistently that doesn't mean like our content is all the same like sometimes there are episodes where I'm like uh wasn't as strong this time but (laughs) like that's okay yeah 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 
Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the thing is like anyone listening will understand that, or at least I hope they'll understand that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and as humans, we touch on so many topics all the time. So, I mean, it's not always going to be, everything isn't always going to be, you know, the biggest thing every time, you know, or every single moment, because it's like, we're like, Abby said, we're humans. We're, you know, we're multi-passionate. Like we have all sorts of different things going on in our lives, you know? Mm. Absolutely. And that's, and sometimes Ash and I don't really always align with what we want to talk about. Like this, she loves the Kardashians and I'm, (laughs) that's enough for me. Like I, I can appreciate, and I have learned a lot from her, but like, I always tell her everything that I know about the Kardashians was like force fed to me by her usually on the podcast and so there's sometimes where she's like oh my god I want to talk about this and I want to talk about that and I'm like girl like do we have to like I'm just like I don't know what I would bring but then like I know that I would be able to bring like intellectual understanding and input yeah. about like just the sociology of the Kardashians but like mm-hmm. and there's there's something Ooh, that, that should be an episode <laughs> yeah like it's some it's something that we've talked about but like you know it it, it it kind of just always kind of gets swept on the run because we always get like different things that we want to talk about but there's definitely been episodes and Ash I think like a big thing for her is that because you know I don't know again it depends on what you listen to but um she's talked openly about how she actually couldn't speak until she was about five years old like she had Mm -hmm. an issue with her throat when she was born um and it's always like even when we got our aura read like she's like your throat is really dark like around your throat like you don't really have a throat chakra mm-hmm. and she's always kind of been told that it needs to be cleared and she that she has a, a speech impediment so she stutters and that's why she forgets words sometimes and so when we are on the podcast and there's episodes that either I've said hey I want to talk about this she's like yeah I'm interested but I have no idea what I'm going to bring to it she has a lot of self-doubt and we all do like it's something that I struggle with as well don't get me wrong totally. but there yeah. are times where she's like I don't want to do this because I don't know what I'm going to say and then like we have that conversation of that brainstorming bouncing off each other. And then she's like, okay, I feel way more comfortable because I'm, especially like the more we do the podcast, when she gets like this, I'm better at saying like, okay, I know what you're going to be interested in talking about. So let's mm-hmm. like, I'll give you those ideas. And, you know, cause like when we do notes, if it's like a really deep, intense topic, I like do a brainstorm and I'll do pretty much everything that comes to mind. And I don't always talk about everything. So sometimes there's thing from there that she's like, Oh, I actually wanted to talk about this. Can I do that? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like I haven't done my notes yet. Go for it. Like one less thing I have to do. I don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it, it, it's, it's like kind of that thing where like, um, I, you know, things like that happen all the time with our podcast where like one of us will have, like I had, and I, and I struggle a lot with imposter syndrome and like feeling like I'm not the person to be talking about these things. And, and, you know, I worry that like the things that I say are going to be misinterpreted because that's something that I've struggled with my entire life is being misunderstood and misrepresented. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that. I don't want that for the podcast. I don't want someone to listen and be like, well, you said this and that was really problematic. And like, I'm like, okay, but and, and it's just, you know, like, it's going to happen. I know yeah. it's going to happen and it mm-hmm. has happened. And I, I need to ex- accept that and come to terms with it. But like, she's really, really good at being like, bitch, you are indie gate. You are, you know, you are big dick energy. You are this, 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 this. She like lists off. She's like, you need to snap out of it. So we're really good at like helping each other through those moments when it's tough. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when we do butt heads, it's like, it takes it's like two seconds and we're like fucking over it, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> podcasting truly is like long-term exposure therapy mm-hmm. like it really oh, yeah. is for most people I think we Danielle and I can both agree that we've mm-hmm. done our, a lot of healing on yeah. not even just things that we've talked about but yeah just the art of creating something yes so mm-hmm. yes lot, but. and I mean we like I feel like one of our 
I, I will say our best episode, I guess, was our daddy issues episode. And oh, yeah. that one was like so intense. And we were both like, oh, <laughs> we, both, we both needed to like prep for it. And then we were like exhausted the next couple days. Yeah. yeah those things that we'd always, you know, one-on-one shared, but it was always hard to explain to other people who didn't have that same experience. And so, mm-hmm. but it was, that was, yeah, I think when we got the most feedback from like, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. Cause like, obviously I, I, th- I mean, I think mommy issues and daddy issues would be kind of re- relevant to a lot of the kinds of mm-hmm. um, like podcasts that are like our own. Mm-hmm. And for us, I, re- because Ash and I didn't really have this like really deep foundational friendship before going into the podcast, you could like, there's early episodes where like, you can hear in real time me like helping Ash understand that she was really deeply impacted by her daddy issues because she had pushed it out so much. So like there's episodes where we're talking about like our relationship with our family and she's always known that like her mommy issues were like kind of at the forefront of her mind and that her daddy issues were more subconscious. But I was always like, girl, like I was like, I was like telling her, I was like, this is daddy issues. Like no, 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 no. And she was like, oh, maybe. And then like, it like hit her like five minutes later and she'd become really emotional and open up about it. And she's like, so it it was really interesting to have that dynamic as well. And then, you know, I'm more the opposite, like talking about my mommy issues is harder, especially because, you know, like my dad's dead, my mom's alive. It's easier for me to talk about my my trauma with my dad (laughs) (laughs) because I'm like, oh, well, like, I can only resolve from it. There's nothing else is going to trigger it. And then like having like intimacy with my mom is hard. So from an early stage in the podcast, I was like, you can listen to episodes, but only the ones that I tell you to, because there's mm-hmm. some episodes where I'm like, no, <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I can't have that, like be something that I know that, you know, if mm-hmm. you listen and I don't know, like that's, that's whatever you do on your own time is different. But, um, you know, we've had conversations about daddy issues and mommy issues and then we had a whole episode dedicated to like emotional incest and and talking about like how impactful daddy issues and mommy issues can be like on a really really bad scale as well so mm-hmm. it, it 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 all comes full circle back to your parents and yeah you know, it's really interesting mm-hmm. it really is and when it comes up it comes up and it's like oh we're going there we're going there here it goes you know like, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mom texted me after listening to the daddy issues episode and was like, wow, it was so great to hear, you know, how all of that impacted you one day. We'll talk more about it, but yeah, like, right. Families we're we're really good at, you know, sleeping that under the rug. So Mm -hmm. TBD when that combo. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, it's, it's very different when you have to sit on a podcast and have a conversation with someone else about it, process it in real time, and then think like, oh, other people are going to be consuming this, you know, it's a whole, it's a whole gamut. So for our listeners, this is the stuff that we all go through while we're making this this wild content. (laughs) Yeah. Everything you're saying, it's like, yeah, us too. You too. Okay. Uh Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, it's a roller coaster, but we all love it, you know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And that we wouldn't keep doing it if we didn't love it. Like it's mm-hmm. kind of that that thing where it's like a little bit torturous, but mm-hmm. it also it's it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not even like rewarding for money. It's like not rewarding. Like sometimes it's just rewarding to have like, you know, a handful of people listen to an episode per week and like that obviously varies depending on the podcast and then have that feedback of like I really love this episode like Mm -hmm. as soon as that um episode that recent episode released where I was chatting with um the sex worker from Brisbane 
I had like one of my friends who was a full service sex worker. Uh, no, she's not a full service sex worker. Sorry, she had done full service sex work when, and in and in Adelaide it's illegal, so like it's a lot more precarious to do it there. And she was like, I really related to a lot of the things that she said, and you know, she's doing OnlyFans now, and she like shared it with all of her sex worker friends, and so it's kind of that thing where like you connect with people on that level, and they will share your your work yeah. if they feel like you know if you feel like you've done something and you've brought something to the table, that's really all you can do. And, yeah. And it's going to do its thing from there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always a warm and fuzzy feeling when we get mm-hmm. those texts that are like, oh my gosh, we listen. It's like, you do? Oh, that's so yeah. cool. Thanks. Or yeah. They're laughing at other jokes that yeah. they knew the inside part of. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good time. <laughs> Podcasting has been fun. So, I mean, you said ashes uh, or went to school for journalism, like, wow talk Abby um uh and not I'm not sure what do you do uh, or do you have a day job in addition to your podcast like does it complement what you're doing now really well in telco for six years before I kind of went into that world so um I don't currently have like a proper day job right now um like that's kind of something that I had to stop because I realized through my journey, as I mentioned before, I was a burnt out and that was not like depression burnout. It was actually like autistic burnout. Mm. And so at the end of last year, I was working three different jobs and I was full-time finishing my uni degree oh my and gosh. doing the podcast. Whoa. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, I've been like, people tell me like, I'm a bit of a workaholic and I will definitely like push myself, push myself, push myself. And Ash is currently also in a job that she hates. Like I keep telling her she needs to quit because she was doing a teaching job for the Chinese government until about January. And then they kind of like, China was like no more outside influence. So they had to kind of cut that off. So she got fired essentially. And she, um, she just kind of like took the, like we, we both came, like grew up really, really poor. So we both have this uh, like mentality of like, well, we can't not have a job. We can't not have a job. We yeah. have to have money. We need to have stability. And for me, I've done a lot to like unlearn that Ash has yet to kind of come to that conclusion because, mm-hmm. um, you know, even though she has good stability and like her parents have like worked their way into having like a substantial amount of wealth. So even if she like didn't work and she was just being supported by her partner if something did happen like her parents could help her like I don't really have that mm-hmm. so for me I'm for, for my burnout I was like okay I need to I really needed to reassess what was going on because after I, it clicked that I wasn't just depressed um and that I actually needed to t- like really reduce things in my life I was like okay what do I want to reduce in my life it definitely wasn't the podcast it was yeah. and 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 I I'm still doing like part-time study you know to continue on because I do want to do like postgraduate study so I was like I can't really be that I'm going to reduce that to one subject and I'm going to quit my job and because I had been doing three jobs like I quit I, one of my jobs was just like a Christmas holiday job another job was in brothel management so I and I was doing like reception at a brothel and um that was just like really hard hours like it was like nighttime hours because it was open 24 hours so I was like like I, whilst I love being in this in this environment in this space like this, I had to take it out. And I was just like, okay, work is done. I can 
I can survive. I can, I can do what I need to do and mm. I'm happy right now. And that's like, I'm very employable. I, I know that I'll get a job if I, you know, if I, if I go out there and, and I look for it, I mean, obviously impending recession isn't great, but <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, nurturing my mental health, but also like my brain and like my neurodivergence is actually even more important because when you are burnt out and it is because of autism burnout, you have to re- really reduce what you're doing. So I stopped doing like pretty much anything except the podcast for probably about like two months. And it really, really, really helped. I was just like, you know, not getting, not leaving the house much, like just really um, working on self-care and then doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, for you know, I was creative again. I was like, right. I, I want to do the podcast again. I was like, you know, let's do this, 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 this. Like, that's why we have so many upcoming guests because I'm like organizing it now. Like I'm finally getting to the things that we've always wanted to do right. and working on TikTok content and working on video content and like working on Patreon content and like getting these things done that I couldn't do before because I was having to force myself into a job that I thought was making me happy and giving me stability mm-hmm. in telco and it wasn't working yeah mm-hmm. oh, I I think Danielle and I can both agree that like because we left our full-time like right like I mean you, retail is not nine to five but yeah. like right <laughs> but our, it was, our, it was full-time yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and uh I mean that's absolutely for sure like burnout is uh, it's it's crazy. And you had mentioned that, uh, right. That was it a recent neurodivergent, uh, diagnosis or. Well, that's the thing is, is diagnosis is, is, is diagno- diagnosing, you know what I'm saying? It yeah. is very inaccessible, especially yes. in Australia. I don't know how it is. I know like it's inaccessible worldwide. It seems because, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting that psychiatry appointment is expensive and then having to like advocate for yourselves. And like, I, we recently had a guest on the show who's a clinical psychologist with autism and ADHD, um, Dr. Joey Lawrence. And, you know, she's been really candid on her TikTok talking about how like she's uh, had professors in her clinical, like in her doctorate who didn't diagnose like neurodivergence where it was very clearly there because it was in women and it wasn't like adult women. Mm-hmm. And so for, we had a conversation on that podcast episode where I was like, okay, can we talk about like self-diagnosing and how important that is? And she was like, it's the most important thing because it's so empowering when you go, if you do ever eventually get to that point where you are going into a psychiatrist's uh, in your office, you do have, like you are armed with that knowledge of like, here's how I meet the criteria and here's what, what like what I need support in. Right. And so for me, it was like a lot of unlearning this idea that like autism is a spectrum and you either have like lots of autism or no autism. Mm-hmm. And rather that like it's an autism, uh, sorry, it's a spectrum of um, the symptoms and that's, that can also fluctuate. And so for me, because it was like, I was like, I, well, I don't obviously don't have issues communicating with people and I'm really empathetic and like the, just things that like didn't match up with like what you would consider as like a stereotypical neurodivergent or autistic person. Yeah. Pardon me. <laughs> um, and for me, it was like really, and, and even the same with Ash, like she has been diagnosed since she was a child. So that for her, it was such a like hush hush thing. Like we can't tell anyone because it's shameful. Like she was literally, and, and, you know, her relationships and things like that she's never really told anyone and then she finally on the podcast like put it into existence in in the universe and said like I am autistic and I know that from a clinical perspective and it has made it is it has given me my own stigma to deal with within myself Mm -hmm. and 
she's worked so hard to destigmatize that for herself and, and, and allow herself the space to be like, it's okay that I get sensory overload. It's okay that I struggle with my speech. It's okay. Like all of these different things that her, are her symptoms she's like coming to terms with. And for mm. me, it's the same thing. Like I kind of, you know, it's, you're more likely to be neurodivergent if you have neurodivergent parents as well. And because my dad had passed away, I'd never really like looked at it from that perspective. My mm. mom very clearly autistic like my mom like is like the definition of what you would think of autism but she also had experienced a lot of um uh, emotional trauma in her childhood and a lot of abuse from her mother so mm-hmm. like sometimes it was like is this the abuse or is this my autism like you know things right. like that so for my dad when I really thought about it I was like hell yeah like my dad is the kind of guy who would like talk to you and you would have no idea what he was saying like he would be on another planet level with his intelligence like yeah he was like staying up all hours of the night constantly trying to talk to you about things and you'd be like dude I have no idea what's going on right now like I (laughs) need you to stop and he's like oh but like just let me do one more and and you know I, I had that conversation with my mom and I was like yeah dad was definitely autistic too like you're like you're both kind of like that kind of like opposite ends of um yeah. the spectrum of 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 symptoms and so you know coming to terms that I realized that like my autism I had really played down because for me and like my childhood and and how turbulent it was and you know both my parents were really young and they were also drug users and things like that had happened in my life when I was a kid so I was the adult and I was the mature one so like mm-hmm. it didn't matter that I had mental health issues or that I was struggling with like navigating the world from a neurodivergent perspective I had to pick my shit up and I had to look after my parents and I had to take care of them and and like that was my reality it's like I didn't have time to stop and think about how I was not feeling like I was right in this world like that there was something missing within me that needed to be explained if that makes sense yeah totally yeah thank you so much for sharing for sharing that and your story too, because yeah, mental health access is awful. We have mm-hmm. an episode where I was talking about uh, my son, cause he is also on the spectrum, but not officially diagnosed. We were on a wait list for a year and a half and still didn't get a call back for a psychiatrist yeah. appointment. And I, at that point was, you know, we, we are working with different providers in the school. Like we're at this point. Okay. But yeah, it's right. If you can understand yourself, right. Better and know like your coping strategies or things that can help you regulate or get you out of, you know, hyper hypo orientation, you know, whatever trauma expression is it. I mean, that always is uh, a key benefit, whether someone's neurodivergent on the spectrum or not. So, yeah, absolutely. And like this, um, it's kind of hard because like a lot of neurodivergent people are traumatized and Mm. a lot of people who are neurodivergent just will think that they're traumatized and they'll be like, I'm, I just need to go to therapy and I need to like sort my shit out and like get better. And and that's like kind of the, you know, the, the pathology, the way that mental health has been pathologized is, problematic because it is kind of denying people who are actually and I I also think that like for a lot of people like there's a lot more ADHD prevalent now not because there's something wrong with our brains but because the world moves too fast and because Mm -hmm. we don't have the ability to stop and like we can't process what's going on on a day-to-day basis how is anyone expected to be able to focus in the environment that we live in even like even if you take education for example like we are like you know so putting so a whole quickly. bunch of, yeah, <laughs> yeah putting 
putting 30 to 40 people in a class, like children in a classroom and one adult to maintain their attention. Like, how are we expected that to be normal? Like, it just, it's not making, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. And, and, you know, I'm even doing a, a sociology subject right now. Um, it's like the sociology of like mental health and like how um, we're doing like all the research into like uh, asylums and like how, you know, mental, 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 like issues uh, were treated like you know back then but how it that again like that culture continues and and perseveres now to how we perceive mental health and how and like having a lot of conversations around language and even though they don't say like the term like oh it's ableist language like it is ableist language to say things like lunatic and um Mm -hmm. you know like it perpetuates yeah yeah, it it does put like even though it's like normal vernacular and like things like that have have changed with meaning over time it still has this stigma around you know mental health and we talk a lot about like the sociology of deviance which is another subject that I had to do for my my degree and like how it's all about how we perceive deviance but that deviance is necessary in society because without deviance we don't push the social boundaries we don't ever come up with new topics and ideas if no one was ever deviant we would stay stagnant Mm -hmm. and and stay the same Mm -hmm. I was actually just having a conversation today with someone about anxiety because we were talking about how I think more anxiety might be coming up for a lot of people now too because there's so many situations where we don't have control over yeah. anything of what's happening. And so much of our world has been like toe turbulent and taken over. And so the sphere of control is just so different compared to like in the past, you know, or just mm-hmm. the way that we um, normalize or the way that we handled, you know, just having like an anxious reaction or anything like that. Whereas now it's kind of like so many things around us are not being able to be controlled. So more people are having like more, you know, problems and just having more conversations around it, which is good, but it's also hard because our world is like so messy and turbulent, like kind of like what we were talking Mm. about earlier too. Yeah. Yeah. Taking in more stimuli than ever before where our brains, yeah, just weren't prepared for. And I tell clients this a lot as well that, uh, you know, evolutionarily, like if we experience anxiety or stress, no matter if it's, we're stressed because we got into an argument with someone or we're stressed because we got into a car accident, like our body literally reacts to stress the Mm -hmm. same way. Mm -hmm. And we're always in that fight or flight mode. Right. I mean, it is. Yeah. And if we don't work through that burnout cycle, how that wreaks havoc too. And yeah, I 100% agree. And I feel like that was what really helped me um slow down enough to be able to figure out that I was neurodivergent and that it wasn't just oh I have depression and anxiety because I had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety since I was 11 like that was easy for them to do because Mm -hmm. they're like oh yeah trauma in your childhood that makes sense you know what I mean so uh, I feel like it was just kind of swept under the rug and never really looked at but I had like and I again I talked about this on the podcast quite recently like I was I was so controlling like I had control issues because when you grow up in a situation where like you have to be the parent when you're like forced into that situation of course you're going to have control issues over like you know um volatile situations so I had control issues over other people and because I was also an only child like sometimes it it did make me struggle when I was in relationships where like things were happening and I I was out of control and I did things and I became a person that I didn't want to be and I was you know I acted out violently or or irrationally or you know even towards myself I was really like violent and and harsh and and things like that happened and and 
you know, whilst I know that that's like a, a bad thing and a negative thing, I also don't hold myself um, in like, I don't try and blame myself too much because I also have understanding of like my environmental factors that are attributed to that. And mm-hmm. so it hasn't, you know, since I left Adelaide, especially, uh, I've re- like my control issues have like dropped dramatically. And it's really interesting because I went back for the first, because obviously it was pandemic. So I went back in 2021 in January and I hadn't been in about a year. And like the whole time I was like, so on edge. And I, 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 when I describe it to people, it's like when you live in a house where like lots of bad things happen to you and you don't want to live in that house anymore, that is yeah. how like my hometown is. And so being there, it was like great to see my friends and great to be there for three weeks and great to see my mom who I hadn't seen in like a fucking year. You know, I was like, this is good but then when I got home and I was in Adelaide and my I'm sorry in Melbourne and my friend had picked me up from the airport like I literally like this might be TMI but I felt my asshole unclenched I was like yeah <gasps> yes yeah. yeah you can feel it like, like it's just a light yeah. like, shoulders. you can feel it mm-hmm. yeah I was in the I was in the car and I was like my my body is regulating I can actively feel that like I was in fight or flight mode constantly like oh I, I don't want to like be in in the city and see these people and I don't want to have to you know go to certain areas because it was like just traumatizing and mm-hmm. and you know people don't understand that like you can and I, I'm I'm really encouraging Ash to move here like I'm like you need to because it's like I know it's going to be the same thing for her like she's going to move even if she doesn't move to Melbourne like if she moved to Sydney or something like that I would I would encourage her to do that because the, her leaving that space would be so cathartic for her because you can be someone entirely different like actually leaving my hometown is what allowed me to fucking just relax and no longer feel like I needed to have control over everything and my relationship with my mom got a million times better because we weren't constantly around each other like I was obviously living with her before I left and and you know she was also able to let go of this kind of codependency that she had on me and and like realize that oh I'm like a person as well and I get to go and do things that I want to do and 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 you know she's now moved and she's living you know in a more um not regional but it's definitely like more out in the country um town like a smaller town and she's doing what she wants to do and and it just it dramatically impacted our lives from all aspects because and then that like I said my point is I no longer have control issues and that is what's been really really helpful for my anxiety is just letting go and also a lot of that inner child healing it really Mm -hmm. kind of comes back to that is like what has been pivotal to my, you know, recovery from uh, anxiety is healing my inner child and just working. Like, I don't know if you can see, I've, I collect brat dolls now. Um, yes. That's, <laughs> that is pivotal. And like, there's a whole like wall behind, like behind where you guys are of just brat dolls. And that has been pivotal <laughs> to me healing my inner child, especially like this one. And I've got another one uh, that's like really pivotal to like, I remember my mom buying that one for me for my birthday and like giving it to me early and being like, don't tell your dad, like that kind of thing. And just <laughs> yeah. me open, like having all these memories with these dolls as a kid, because like when I was a kid, like all of this trauma was just happening around me. And so like, I was really hyper-focused and like go into like a fantasy world. So I'd play with my dolls all the time. And I'd, I'd really like loved charmed like the tv show when I was a kid because that was like (laughs) yeah it was like this fantasy world I didn't have to focus on things and coming back to again like when I got my aura read it was really interesting because the lady she was like you really need to ground yourself like you constantly live in a fantasy world but she just knew by looking at this like colorful spectrum around me that I was like the kind of person who gets really easily taken up into a fantasy world because I don't want to deal with real world problems and Mm so through kind of dealing with real world through, sorry, through 
feeding my inner child, I've been able to ground myself and deal with the problems of like my trauma from my childhood because I can remember it and say, it's okay. And like allow, you know, seven to 15 year old Indy to just like feel her feelings. Yeah. Love all of it. Love to hear it. <laughs> yes. 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 Healing that inner child is like, oh man, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one, you know, <laughs> but it's like, once you start like going down that path, it like changes so many things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with moving, you remove the trigger and yet you're like reclaiming your childhood, right? Like, yeah, yeah. With the pets dolls. like that's mm-hmm. such a cool practice to do yeah right I yeah I love I just love it and it's like also with you I mean not living with your mom anymore and having not having that like parents like you felt like you had to be the parents and then like you moving away it gave you that I'm not a parent you know like I can Mm. live on my own I can be my own person and not have to control everyone else around you too yeah absolutely and like whilst you know when I was living with my mom like she went to therapy and she was doing things that were helping her she's still Mm -hmm. like like at the end of the day like she's still like a really traumatized person and like their her way of looking at the world is just different and I and I understand that and I know that that works for her and and, like I love my mom and my mom is great because like I can have those conversations with her where I'm like hey this like kind of happened when I was a kid and and like I feel some type of a way about it and I you know either feel negatively or sad or whatever I feel about it and she can say I'm sorry and I and I was doing my the best I can and it's not about making me feel bad or yeah so it's good that we have that relationship now but you know for my mom like when I was studying for example like I couldn't study full-time at the time that I was living at home because she would be volatile emotionally and you know if I was trying to get through like four or five assignments within the span of two weeks and my mom was having a bit of an emotional breakdown I had to drop everything and focus on that and so for me it was super duper hard to tell her that I wanted to leave because my mom did have the initial reaction of like well I guess you hate me and I guess I'll just I'll just die Mm -hmm. like that's Mm -hmm. literally how my mom responded and and I I said to her I was like I understand that this is your initial response and not like your actual response. Like there's, there's always that kind of thing. Like your, your brain's response is like the trauma response. The trauma, yeah. And the, yep. yeah and, and the response thereafter is actually how you feel. So I'm not like taking offense and I'm not going to have an argument with you about it. It's like, it has nothing to do with you. And we've had times like that often where like my mom will be quite inflammatory and it will upset me the things that she says and then I'll have a I'll have an emotional response and it's literally because my mom forgets that I love her like I am like the only and first person in the entire world to ever authentically love my mom and it not come with a catch and that trauma fucks you up so like I you know Mm -hmm. I've got to give my mom the most space to feel her feelings and then understand where I'm coming from and and it works because she knows that I'm not I'm never sitting here with a timer of like, all right, like get over yourself. Like mm-hmm. let's move on. I'm like, no, it's okay. Like if you need to feel how you feel, that's okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of learning <laughs> and it takes a lot of conversation and a lot of stuff to get there. So it does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and growth. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I, I resonated with so much that you shared. I'm just, mm-hmm. yeah. Soaking it in. That's good. I'm glad. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, we've, we've literally, I love it. We've went through so many channels on this. I mean, we've, we've ebbed, we've flowed, we've done it all. And I just, I I feel like it's, it's such a good moment to be able to like connect and like be able to hear other stories and just like 
you know, have this bonding time. And I know yeah. our, our audience is going to like love every single moment of it. And just, you know, here, here with you, we're sitting on the couch with you in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We're just having, having some chat, like one-on-one chat. You know exactly. I mean? like, like friends do. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I love it. And yeah, with, I mean, with everywhere that our conversation went, uh, did, do you have an idea of an Instagram versus reality? Did anything kind of pop up? I know, I know. Okay. Do you mind just explaining to me again, like what the, the point and purpose of it is? Just yes. sort of maybe it can get those gears going. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny that you said that. So, uh, so yeah, Instagram versus reality, and it doesn't have to be just, um, social media. So is there anything, whether it be a topic that we talked about or just in your life in general that, you know, on one and looks or presents as one way, but on the flip side is something else. So it was actually kind of funny that you mentioned the Kardashians. Cause I actually, I think they were like the very, one of the very first Instagram versus reality that I did, uh, about, uh, them promoting like the diet pills, skinny, mm-hmm. whatever. And again, we kind of went on a rant about that, but yeah. <laughs> we've, I mean, you've had people say like, yep. Uh, like the quote unquote authenticity on Instagram versus what's really going on. Like, mm. uh, or yeah. someone did the McDonald's fish fillet sandwich. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it really can be anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think for me, like my Instagram versus reality or like, you know, what is perceived one way, but is really the other way is kind of like, and this is going to be really broad, but I obviously engage with a lot of TikTok discourse and I'm on TikTok quite a bit. And like, I notice that there's a lot of people who will create content for the clout. And that is really problematic because I've noticed there's a lot of like, I mean, you've got this on both sides of the spectrum, but like, there's like a particular pages that come up that are like feminist pages, quote unquote. And um, they'll be on my for you page because TikTok algorithm is obviously like, you like this content, here it is. And then I'm like watching it and I'm like, I really, I don't agree with it because it's very much like this, like packaged kind of feminism that is trying to say something deeper without actually having to say it. So for example, the video that I have recently seen it, it wasn't just this one specific one, but this creator was talking about how like porn creates like violence against women. And they kind of went into like this uh, spiel about it. It was about a three minute video. They had like lots of studies and lots of references to back it up. And like, that is an argument that you can say, but realistically their argument behind it is about like vilifying the porn industry and also like vilifying sex workers and people who participate in creating porn because sorry my cat is also (laughs) back to banging on the door because he wants back in so for me it's like there's really negative ideologies within any kind of political like um understanding that you may uh have like even on the alt-right obviously but for me it's like those things that like you saying what you mean versus like trying to um like subconsciously get that perspective through is really problematic to me and I think that that's my I don't know if that really qualifies but like you know for me that's 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 damaging and that's harmful like the the comments were all agreeing like there's no one is having any kind of critical thought against what she's saying and for me that is like the ultimate part of engaging in 
it, not even just feminism discourse, but any kind of discourse, is you need to be critically thinking about it because if you're not critically thinking about it, you're just taking on this perspective and going, yes, oh my God, I agree. And don't get me wrong, like I used to do that. Like I was a Tumblr feminist back in the day. I And this was like, you know, the thing is like, a lot of people are coming at this with good intention and that's the problem. But when, and there was other people I'd seen stitching this person's videos who I'm referencing where she was actually kind of saying something a little like turfy as well as swerfy. So like uh, sex worker, exclusionary, radical feminist and trans inclusion, trans exclusionary, radical feminist. Like she was, Mm -hmm. you know, saying things about like um, the trans community, but like it's all subtext. Like it's, it's not actually what she's talking about in the video. You have to like, it's, it's, it's a subliminal messaging kind of thing. And it's really, really harmful because that's how you create those pipelines in the ideology of being like well trans people aren't valid and sex workers are like there was other videos that she was like sex workers trafficking and like sex work creates a demand for trafficking and and that was like pretty much the gist of it and I was just like like that whole idea that like people who engage in sex work are only doing it because they have to not because they want to is not correct Mm -hmm. and this is Mm -hmm. and, and this is the thing like I live in a country where it is for the most part decriminalized and you know, in the various like small handful of parts of the world where it is decriminalized, obviously like parts of Australia, it's one of them. And I know for a fact that like, yes, there are definitely people who will participate in sex work for survival, but that's also because a lot of people will participate in capitalism for survival. It has nothing to do with sex work specifically. Mm -hmm. That was a bit of a spiel, but I hope that made sense. It made (laughs) sense. It made sense. It was right on the money. Right on the money. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. That's okay. (laughs) And, you know, plug away. Where can listeners, if they want to get to know you more, where can they find you? Podcast, anywhere. I mean, you can plug away if you're selling shit right like um yeah so uh as mentioned my podcast is hot girls theory we're on all of the platforms and i'm sure our website will be linked in the show notes for you guys as well because we have a website so check us out it's on yeah wherever you listen to podcasts just you know search it um (laughs) but for me personally and and we're also on social media so you can find us at hot girls theory on instagram and twitter and things like that as well and then for me personally i use instagram and tiktok most of all so i'm at fueled by indie um which is a reference to a record label if you know you know if you don't you don't it's been my my branding since i was like 14 so i'm just not going to change it now so yeah fueled by indie i'm on all of the platforms and i do make content on tiktok so if you like what I'm saying here, you might like what I'm saying there. On the tickety talks. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Well, yes, Indy, thank you so, so, so much for sharing, you know, for us, part of our night, but for you, part of your morning yeah. <laughs> uh, with us. And yeah, I, we are just very grateful for your time. No worries. It was a pleasure. And I had a really great conversation and I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yes. Well, we can't wait for everyone to hear it and we can't wait, you know, we'll, we'll be back again another time, you know, maybe we'll come back on the pod again and we'll have another chitty chat. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> good. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Well, thanks everyone for listening and we're As always, bye. bye. <laughs> and that's our show. Thank you so much for Love to hear more from you.
from you. We'd love to hear more from you. So make sure you join us on Facebook at Real Life Podcast with Abby and Danielle and like and subscribe to our podcast. If you're not an Apple user, we are actually on Spotify as well. But on Apple, you can leave us a review. But don't forget to leave us a review on Facebook as well.